0: with insight from RNZ. Kia ora, I'm Philippa Tolley. This programme deals with some of the pitfalls of the franchise model. As everyone from schools to corporate offices tries to cut back on costs, questions are being asked about how some cleaning franchises are operating. Workers say they're being pushed out of their jobs by the aggressive tactics of commercial cleaning companies and the law that should be protecting them isn't working.
1: many of us finish our day of work. For the thousands of cleaners like this one, paying careful attention to some dusty carpet on an elevator landing, their day is just beginning. Some cleaners who keep the country's offices, schools and hospitals looking ship may be wage-earning employees, while others are owner-operators who work for themselves or own a cleaning franchise. While they pay fees to the larger franchiser, it in turn takes care of things such as marketing and finding new work. But it appears not everything is going well in the world of cleaning franchises. The Assistant National Secretary of the Etu Union, John Ryle, says it currently has individuals and groups of workers at about 30 buildings around the country that are involved in disputes with cleaning franchises.
2: And they're largely
1: around franchise companies winning more and more cleaning tenders
0: and then trying to actually get their franchisees onto the site. And to get them on, they need to actually get rid of the current cleaners. And so they run into
3: conflict with uh, unionised cleaners in terms
1: of defending their rights. But the Franchise Association, which represents a range of different types of franchising companies, including cleaning businesses, says it's only had one formal complaint regarding a member from the cleaning industry in the last three years. I'm Teresa Cowie, and this insight investigates cleaning franchises and claims the business model is sometimes being used to cut employment costs and in some cases to get cleaning work done for less than the minimum wage. When the bell rang at Christchurch's Wood Intermediate at the end of last term, the three women who cleaned the school thought they'd be back to work after the holidays.
4: My job was charge hand, so my daily basis I would go in, do the rubbish, do the cleaning. Uh, At the end of the day I'd be locking up and putting alarms on, basically maintaining the toilet blocks and the admin area, the gym and the music department.
1: And Brett has worked as a cleaner at the school via a franchise company for the past three and a half years. Her son was a pupil at the school and she says she loved working there and being part of the school community. She was originally told her job would be transferred over to the new company that
4: had won the contract, so she was shocked when she found she'd be joining the Dole queue the next week. We actually got mail from the uh, previous franchisee saying, you know, about the contract and things, um, and as far as I were, we were aware as well, um, they would just, you know, continue over with us. And then, yeah, it was the last week of the school holidays. We went to do uh, last week of um, term clean on the final Friday. Yeah, and we yeah, had no jobs to go back to on the Monday.
1: Who told you? How did you find out?
4: The franchisee company that we were with actually mailed us out a notice and we also found out from our union. What was your reaction when you got that letter in the post? Um, like, gutted. Couldn't believe it. It was like, can they actually do that? You know, a uh, week's notice of, you know, having no job. It's like, what are we going to do next week? <laughs> so, yeah, no, we were really gutted. Ma Cortara cleaned at the school for
1: 16 years until she was made redundant last term.
3: We got told told it's change over, and then we got a letter, and then we read it, and then... And Ringman said, Does that mean we've got no job? And I read it again and I said, Yeah, yeah, it looks like, like we haven't. And then what did you do? I think I rang up our boss and he said it's his understanding that take us on, but then they it didn't take us on. Sarah Nicholas
1: was responsible for cleaning the classrooms at Chisnerwood Intermediate. She says she misses the school. I asked her if anyone had been in touch since she lost her job.
3: Uh, the teachers have and um, they were pretty upset um, over what was happening. What yeah. did the teachers say to you? Um, that they were going to
1: fight this, yeah. Ange Brett understands the school's board of trustees has tried
4: to have the decision reversed. The board tried their hardest to get our jobs back but so far no good. Chisner Wood Intermediate's Board of Trustees declined
1: to be interviewed by Insight. The piece of legislation that the cleaners at Chisner Wood School thought would protect their job is Part 6A of the Employment Relations Act, sometimes called the Vulnerable Workers' Clause. It was designed to protect workers in industries like cleaning and food catering, where contracts for services frequently change hands. It gives those vulnerable workers the right to transfer to the new owner-operator of the business on the same terms and conditions when their employer loses a contract to another company. In March last year, an exemption was added to help out small to medium businesses. So if a company had fewer than 20 employees, it wasn't obliged to take on the existing staff. The exemption came about after the government completed a review of the Vulnerable Workers' Clause in 2012, which found that businesses were finding it difficult to put the law into practice. But the union says in some cases the exemption is being abused. Jill Ovens from Air 2 believes the franchise involved in the Chisnerwood contract might be fudging the issues and workers are missing out. The nationwide cleaning company Cleantastic took over the Chisnell Wood contract and sold it to its franchisee SSA Cleaning Limited. While it's a somewhat complicated tale, Jill Evans explains what the union believes is going wrong.
0: First of all, under the law, they don't have the right to be exempt if they are a franchising company that is part of a larger or that has more than 19 employees. In this case, uh, the franchise company is called Cleantastic. It's a huge multinational organisation, enormous in the United States and in New Zealand, has somewhere between 50 and 200 employees, according to their own information. That is what's called an associated person. If that company, Cleantastic, in fact negotiated and the tender and won the tender from Chisnelwood Intermediate, then this franchising operation would not be exempt. And we believe that that is the case.
1: What information do you have that would suggest that they have more than 17
0: employees? No, Cleantastic has more than 17 employees. On the warranty information that was signed by the franchise operation that's got the tender, it says 17 employees for the company SSA. That is the franchisee. That is not the franchising company that won the tender.
1: Emails between the old and new franchise companies cleaning at Chisnerwood Intermediate, obtained by Insight, show that the company that had previously held the contract had concerns about whether Cleantastic was eligible to put its franchisees
0: in to do the work. It's hard to believe that Cleantastic and its subsidiaries New Zealand International and head office with a presence in 12 regions, plus SSA Cleaning, is a genuine small to medium business with less than 19 employees.
1: However, Cleantastic responded with confidence that it does not exceed the 19 employee maximum.
2: The number of staff combined between KT Ventures Limited, trading as Cleantastic NZ and SSA Cleaning Limited, is less than that stated in the Act where this requirement applies. Again, I will be sending through the appropriate paperwork to this end as soon as possible.
1: On the 14th of July, the franchise that would actually do the cleaning at the school, SSA Cleaning, provided an official warranty certifying
4: SSA
2: Cleaning Services Limited, together with KT Ventures Limited, employ less than 20 employees at today's date.
1: Kevin Richardson is a director of Cleantastic, which is owned by KT Ventures Limited. He says the union's claim that it has too many employees are wrong.
2: On the date that we gave the warranty, we had 17.
1: So you're a company that is nationwide in New Zealand and you're part of a a multinational company. You have 17 employees.
2: No, we're not part of a multinational company. Cleantastic New Zealand is its own entity. Uh, We are the franchisors for that. We have no association with Cleantastic.
1: All right. But you're a nationwide cleaning company in New Zealand and you have 17 employees.
2: Yes, we don't have any employee cleaners. Uh, Our cleaners are all franchisees. All we have is staff that do do the training and uh, and business development managers.
1: On your LinkedIn page on the internet, I had a look at that. Um, There's one here for Cleantastic, your company in New Zealand, um, listed in Auckland. It says company size 51 to 200 employees. Why have you listed your company as having this number of employees when you're telling me now that you have 17?
2: Um, It's it's our franchisees. It indicates the size or the ability of our company so that if anyone's looking at it for a cleaning provider, they can see that we're uh, um, together with our franchisees, we have uh, the capacity to do some, some of the work that they might ask us to do.
1: But it says here quite specifically on your profile 51 to 200 employees.
2: Mm, there is just no space to put franchisees and I think if you look at virtually all the other uh, franchise companies you'll see they've done the same. Um, just to, It is just an indication of size of company.
1: Jill Ovens says schools are under immense pressure to cut costs, so they're increasingly outsourcing work to cheaper franchisees. But they don't always realise the effect that changing a contract can have on their cleaners. She says it's pleas to the School Trustees Association, which helps boards to navigate the ways of good school governance, fell on deaf ears.
0: We produced some guidelines for schools, principals and boards of trustees to help them through this because it is a very bureaucratic and technical process. We gave it to one of the board of trustees members who actually made the decision. And he said he wished he'd had a copy of that, at the time when they made all these decisions. The reason why he didn't have a copy is because the School Trustees Association refused to circulate the version that I wrote. They circulated a paragraph that referred to changes in the Act was not helpful at all. And so we have a situation where we have people around the country doing their best for their school, trying to save money in very stretched budgets but without the knowledge that they need to work through the mire that is this legislation now.
1: Situations like that at Chisnerwood show that grey areas in the law can leave cleaners distressed and jobless and schools feeling bad when they're trying to do their best to save money. The president of the School Trustees Association, Lorraine Kerr, says schools are under huge pressure to stay within their budgets she says school boards made up of ordinary parents have a lot of priorities to juggle but the association will make an effort to help them to be informed about the potential pitfalls of transferring cleaning contracts i asked her why the guidance notes about the vulnerable workers clause were not passed on to boards of trustees
5: I'm not sure of what happened, but if we believe it has an impact on schools, we will certainly um, send it out to them via a memo.
1: Okay. So given the concern from the unions and from some school cleaners that I've spoken with, would you be happy to send this out, this three-page document which breaks down the intricacies
5: of the law to boards of trustees? Absolutely. I will talk to our... um, Employment Relations Team and we will get the information that all boards need out to them ASAP.
1: And it's not only unions worried about workers and schools confused about the impacts of their decisions, the industry body says the law is also making life difficult for them. Lillian Small is the Chief Executive of Building Service Contractors. The cleaning industry body says its members make up about 60% of the commercial cleaning industry. She says the part of the law that frees smaller businesses from taking on workers is incredibly difficult to understand.
6: It has led to some miscommunication between contractors and the client and I think that's where a lot of small businesses are getting into a bit of trouble and in the end the client actually gets caught up in quite a bit, as, as well does the employee. Do you think it's because it's difficult to understand, or do you think that it's
1: being intentionally used to remove existing cleaners so that franchisees can be put in?
6: I think it's a bit of both, actually, and it's not um, just franchisees either, because it is available for all small businesses. Um, I think that there is a huge misunderstanding of the exemption clause and, therefore, it it, it leads to people um, acting unintentionally. And the consequence of that is that people are losing their jobs where, you know, they probably shouldn't be.
1: Do you think that the exemption should go then or at least be sorted out if it's such a grey area and causing problems?
6: Yeah, I I do actually. I think that the exemption clause is is very, um, it's not creating an even playing field.
1: She wants the exemption to be reviewed because it's causing havoc in the industry and she's particularly concerned about the hassle it's causing for clients. Grant McLaughlin is the managing director of Crest Clean, the largest locally owned cleaning company operating in New Zealand and he's lobbied hard against the right for workers to keep their jobs when cleaning contracts change. He doesn't think the protections are necessary, because in his experience, many cleaners have no intention of staying on when contracts change hands anyway. He didn't want to be interviewed by Insight, but did write to the programme with some information about transferring workers at his company. He said,
7: We had 110 people transfer to Crest Clean from other cleaning companies in the last 18 months. Of these, 30% left in the first three months, 51% had left within the first six months, 75% had left before the end of their first 12 months. Furthermore, and importantly, I understand the 75% of transferred workers who left Crest Clean in the first 12 months is not dissimilar to the industry norm.
1: Of those, he said, some gave their reason for leaving as not liking the new management or not wanting to undergo training. Some, he says, simply abandoned their jobs. But cleaners argue the problems don't stop at losing their jobs. They say others are missing out on entitlements such as redundancy pay or conditions set out in their contract like hours of work. Elena Law is a cleaner, 64 and out of work. As she makes me a cup of tea, she tells me the history of all the cleaning companies she's worked for. But towards the end, she's hazy on who she was actually working
3: for. I worked at Avalon Primary School for 17 years. The first company was United Cleaning, and then the other contract was Cyclean, and then the last one was was Jenny King. Yeah. And then what happened at the end then when that contract was passed on to Jenny King? I was made redundant. Mm. Tell me about that day. Well, it was a very, very sad day, actually, because we just carried on with our work and um, we were told we were no longer wanted. And that's what they said. Yep.
1: OK, so on the day that you were told you were no longer needed, who was it that came and said... Roma. um Roma. She actually came, yes. And what were her words to you?
3: Um, Well, she said she no longer can um, keep us because she can't afford it. And her and her husband had to take the job over.
1: Elena Law worked at a school site in a lower hut suburb near her home until the end of 2015, when the New Zealand arm of the multinational Janie King took over the cleaning contract from the company SeaClean. When Janie King gave the contract to its franchisee, Figura Limited, she was sacked. One of Figura's directors said the business didn't have enough money to keep Miss Law on. Elena Law acknowledges that under the law, the small family-owned business had the right to make her redundant, but she believes she's due a redundancy payout. So far, she's never received one. A redundancy agreement was in her original contract and Elena Law says that should have been passed along as contracts changed hands. She wants either Janie King or its franchisee Figura Limited to pay her out a redundancy of about $6,000. Janie King was purchased by JK Limited in July this year. Its managing director, Roger Washburn, declined to be interviewed by Insight until after the dispute was concluded, but in an email he said...
2: As part of our due diligence, this matter was disclosed to us by the previous owner and we are satisfied the matter has been dealt with properly and legally by the previous owner. We are presently awaiting mediation to finalise this matter, which is scheduled for this month. Once mediation is completed, I will be happy to comment again at that time.
1: I also contacted one of the owners of the franchisee, Figura Limited, that took over the cleaning contract at the school and who Elena Law worked for before she was made redundant. The owner didn't want to be recorded, but during a conversation, she said that she shouldn't have to pay any redundancy because Janie King promised, when it gave her the contract, that her business would get to do the work themselves rather than have to pay someone else, and she feels Janie King misrepresented the deal. She says she's had to work hard and pay Janie King more than $50,000 in fees to be a franchisee. She says she has a family and rent to pay and is at a loss as to how the responsibility to pay the redundancy could fall at her feet. The case is now with the Employment Relations Authority. And in yet another twist, it's not just the wage-earning cleaners who say they're missing out the etu union has been approached by owner operator franchisees that say they often make less than the equivalent of the minimum wage after costs it says franchisors just collect their fees and turn a blind eye to what their franchisees have to deal with the unions can't advocate for franchisees because they're business owners and not employees. But it has passed documentation to Insight that outlines the distress faced by one franchisee that turned to the union for help. The franchisee believes the parent company is underquoting jobs to win contracts, but the underquoting is so low it can't make a living because it takes more time to do the cleaning than was promised. The franchisee has to pay heavy fees to the franchisor as well as other business costs and for some jobs they're making less than the equivalent of the minimum wage. I asked Lillian Small of the building service contractors if she knew of any situations where the franchisees were struggling unfairly.
6: That would be very hard for me to make an educated comment on. All BSC members are either signatories to the mecca or a Required to employ staff on agreements with no less favourable wages and conditions as part of our employment condition criteria of membership. Wages are one of the biggest costs to the business. If a contract has changed hands at a significantly reduced price, it does bring cause for concern on pay rates and conditions. Technology and efficiencies can be considered to reduce the price of the contract. So when the You know, in a nutshell, if the price is too good to be true, it probably is.
1: Several of the cleaners who Insight spoke with for this programme have said they believe franchisees they worked for were struggling. They gave examples such as their boss trying to save money by watering down the cleaning products. They say this sometimes got to the point that it made it almost impossible to do the cleaning. They say this caused conflict between the cleaners, the companies and the clients they were working for. The cleaners were also upset that hygiene standards were not being met and that they were sometimes blamed. They felt caught in the middle of a situation that they could do nothing about. The Etu union believes not providing proper equipment is part of a strategy to undermine the cleaners' work, garner complaints and make it easier to get rid of them. Former cleaner Elena Law says it was obvious to her that the franchisee couldn't afford to pay her from the start and the struggles she also had to get cleaning products from the company
3: suggest money was tight. The products that she gave us, they were watered down. or well, we, we weren't allowed to have them or we didn't have them at all. So I used to say, well, I'm sorry, if there's no stuff to clean up, I don't do any cleaning. Because there was times that she'd say, just use the schools. So yeah. what was meant to be the arrangement? All arrangements, anything you wanted she'd get, but when we did want it, she would say, oh, yeah, I'll bring it in next week, and next week would go by and another week would go by, so I'd ring her up again. The
1: school trustees' associations' Lorraine Kerr says no school wants its children learning in an unclean or unhealthy environment.
5: Boards of trustees' priority is about ensuring a healthy, safe, clean environment for all students and staff for that matter in their schools.
1: Do you think perhaps school boards, I know you say they've got a lot of things to deal with but perhaps they should be auditing this, having a look at what's actually happening at their school and
5: whether a good cleaning job is being done Well that would be a sensible thing to do, notwithstanding they've got a lot of things to juggle as part of their health and safety policies maybe that can be added in terms of making sure the cleaners are doing the right thing.
1: Kirk Hope the chief executive of the lobby group Business New Zealand says anyone taking on a cleaning franchise should do their homework and get independent advice on whether it's a good business deal.
7: If you're going to buy a business like a cleaning franchise I think you need to be really clear about the value in that business and how you're going to be able to meet not just the expectations of the franchisor but meet your own minimum earnings requirements and if you haven't seen what the, what the job looks like for example if it's, it says it might take two hours and you get there and it's a huge job that's going to clearly take longer then your um, hours worked are going to be longer therefore your, your pay on a fixed price contract is going to be much much less
1: Are cleaning franchises a good business? Are they a good way to get into business?
7: Well I guess they could be but you won't be able to determine that unless you do your due diligence, I think, um, and you know that would be the clear message here.
1: Etu's John Ryle says the business model is designed to drive down wages and is aimed at new migrants, attracted to the idea of running their own business, but who may not be aware of the pitfalls.
7: Yeah, it seems to us to be part of an overall uh, race to the
3: bottom and trying to avoid a uh,
1: minimum labour standards, such as the Minimum Wage Act. Kirk Hope of Business New Zealand says the franchise model can't be blamed for low wages, and other factors are at play.
7: There's a large pool of labour to supply that market, um, and that's one of the reasons, and it's in fact probably the key driver of, of low wages in that area. I don't necessarily see that the franchising will be conducted on such a scale as to have a, a general impact on reducing wages. Mm. I mean, it'd have to be massive. I I just don't think it's that... I I think it's a nice line, but I'm not sure that it's actually correct.
1: No one wants business, cleaners or the clients they clean for to lose out, but it appears the law that should be protecting them all needs cleaning, or at least tidying up. I'm Theresa Cowie, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz. Our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ.
0: That programme was written and presented by Teresa Cowie. It was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, with technical production by William Saunders. Why not subscribe to Insight on iTunes, just so you don't miss out.